Welcome to the Andrew Young School Podcast, where each month we interview a member of the Andrew Young School community who embodies the school's charge to think ahead and innovate in the fields of criminal justice, economics, public management and policy, social work, and urban studies. In this episode, we speak to Rebecca Cerna and Allison Powell of the Atlanta Bicycle Coalition. Rebecca Cerna received a Master's of Urban Policy and a Master's of Planning and Economic Development from the Andrew Young School in 2007. During her master's program, she interned in the Bicycle and Pedestrian Office of the Georgia Department of Transportation, where she developed her passion for transit planning. She has been involved with the Atlanta Bicycle Coalition since September of 2007 and currently serves as the organization's executive director. Allison Powell was the first student to complete the Master's of Interdisciplinary Studies within the Urban Studies Institute in 2019. Upon graduation, she was invited by Rebecca to serve on the board of the Atlanta Bicycle Coalition, where she serves to this day. So I'm sitting here with Rebecca Serna and Allison Powell. Thank you both for sitting down with us today. Of course. Happy to be here. So first and foremost, you both attended the Andrew Young School. Can you each tell us a little bit about how you ended up here, what guided your decision to attend, and what your experience was like? I'm a recent graduate. I guess I graduated about a year ago, well, a little less than a year ago from um, the Andrew Young School. And my background is in civil engineering. So um, I started my career on public works engineering. And at that time, I thought, oh, you know, at some point I'll go get an MPA or an MPP and and that'll be that. Um, And then I ended up taking a long time off um, with my children and kind of decided when we moved back in town that it would be a good way to immerse myself in the community and get to know some people here in the city if I went back to grad school. So I started in the Master's of Public Policy program, and then um, I was fortunate enough to take an elective class with Dan Immerglock, and he brought me over to the Urban Studies Institute, and I ended up being the first graduate of the Urban Studies Institute. So that was kind of neat, and um, it was a really good experience and neat to be part of um, a program that was just growing and really forming itself. (laughs) So I was working full-time out of college as a paralegal and got pretty bored with being a paralegal and all the paperwork that it entails. So I really wanted to go back to grad school, but I couldn't afford to not be working. And so Georgia State's after hours, outside of business hours, night school programming was really perfect for me. Um, So I was able to finish my degree. It took me a little bit longer than if I'd gone full-time, but I was able to keep my job that was supporting me and my family while still going back to school. So it really scratched the itch that I had. And being at Georgia State and being in the urban environment that we're in um, was a great place for me to just test out the different theories that I was learning about in classes, um, see how things worked in the real world. And it really encouraged me to get involved with civic life. Um, And I became an advocate out of that experience of going to school and living in the city. What do you think was the most impactful course you took or the most impactful member of the faculty? What really kind of sticks with you when you look back on your time at the Andrew Young School? For me, it was um, Harvey Newman um, was a big influence on me. I really um, loved how he looked at the city as kind of a maybe laboratory is taking it too far, but he really was paying close attention to what was going on um, with civic life, um, with the history of Atlanta and how the history informed the um, things that were happening at that point in time. Um, and he always just was a wonderful, warm presence who really took an interest in his students and encouraged them um, and was genuinely interested in what they were interested in. So that was something I really appreciated. I really have to say I was um, 
overall impressed with how warm and um, supportive the faculty members were um, overall across the entire school. Um, I developed so many relationships in this program with my faculty members that, um, you know, compared to my undergrad experience, it was just, I wasn't prepared for that. And I was really pleased to buy it. Um, I would have to say that Dan, who I mentioned previously, um, he ended up being my advisor in the uh, urban studies department. And I really just learned so much from him. Um, his perspective was always so fair and balanced. And he really had a great way of challenging me to, um, you know, think outside of my box and to really empathize with other people with different backgrounds and different situations and to, um, you know, think it, to be able to be an analytical person in, in a softer environment. And that um, was like impactful to me. He, he really made a difference in the way that I think about um, urban issues. So that was important. I also really um, got a lot out of the um, study abroad um, support staff here at Georgia State. Um, Yeah, well, I decided to apply for a Fulbright because my sister had gotten one and we're very competitive in our family. So I had to do that too. Um, And I just got so much encouragement from the staff here. Um, I'm not sure if I would have completed the application and really gone through with it if they hadn't just been so encouraging. Um, but that was a really life-changing experience living in Columbia and just seeing how different the city um, decision-making process was there, learning about participatory yeah. budgeting, which is something I'm still really fascinated by and is happening here in Atlanta with Downtown Decides. Um, so that whole experience and just being in a really different city environment was completely transformative. And I wouldn't have had that opportunity if it hadn't been for um, the program here at Georgia State and the encouragement that I got. It's interesting that you both immediately gravitated to Georgia State being downtown and the impact that the setting had on your time here. And obviously, in your current work, you work a lot with the city and with the various coalitions doing work in downtown and beyond. But can you speak a little bit more to your experience with the city as a student? How did that, how did being down here every day for class impact the way that you thought about the city? Well, I just think downtown is like, has so much character and charm that like most Atlantans don't even realize, like they have no clue. And it's um, something that I never really thought about or why that was. And um, one of my courses in um, urban studies, we, we studied like critical urban theory. And that was you know, a lot of it was really deep and over my head and, and challenging um, coming from an analytical background to kind of grasp these concepts that were squishy. And one of the things that we really talked about was, you know, the city is a place for everyone. And so much of downtown Atlanta was, was developed kind of mid-century. And that was a time when it was really seen as like a place for commuters and business people. So a big part of downtown is away from the street. There's not an interface like as you get up towards Petrie Center and stuff. So you could come to downtown every day and never leave the parking deck that connects to your building. And so, so many Atlantans don't immerse themselves in downtown and being a student on the ground, you really got to see the humanity of it all. Like you're down here and there's business people, some and students and um, just all kinds of people in for conventions and conferences. It, it was just neat to see um, kind of the liveliness of it. It's not something that's anywhere else in Atlanta to me. Yeah. I took from it, um, the way that individuals and groups can really, and have really shaped downtown. 
Um, and even how Georgia State, what at the time that I was in the Andrew Young School, um, was really shaping yes. downtown. It was during that period where a lot of things were getting built. Adderhold was new. Um, there was the plan to kind of pedestrianize the other part of campus and the plaza. And so, and, and then Decatur Street was being changed right towards the end of my time. And so that all really planted a strong seed in me as well as some of the research that I got involved with. Um, things like the 485 highway that um, was planned and that citizens pushed back against and ultimately defeated. So just the way that people, even as an individual, that you can really shape uh, the environment. I think that's something that Georgia State is a great place to see how that's played out and continues to play out. And so from that, how did each of you develop an interest in cycling? For me, it was that I was really bad at riding the bus. (laughs) So I was um, car. I didn't have a car for a year. Um, off and on, I didn't have a car and I was trying to catch the bus and I would miss it. And then I would walk back home. because it was 30 minutes between buses and then I'd go back out. I would miss it again. (laughs) It's like, there has got to be a better way to get to the train station. So I started biking to the train station. Um, and I biked in college and growing up, that was, um, you know, something that was really synonymous with freedom for me. I've never really liked being in cars. It just feels really confining. You can't move around. You can't get up and walk if you want to. Um, and being on a bike, you know, you can stop and if you see your neighbor on the street, pull over and talk to them. You're not confined and um, really cut off from everyone the way that you are in a car. So it was that combination of transit not being as good as it should be and really becoming aware of that through work with a transit advocacy group and just my daily experience of depending on MARTA and wanting to improve it. Uh, but biking is a great way. It's kind of a MARTA extender. It makes MARTA better. If you have a bike with you, you're going to be more satisfied with your experience on transit in Metro Atlanta. Um, I guess I grew up in a cycling family. Um, my dad was like the OG hipster on a bike, like just weaving through traffic. And I was always like, dad, don't do that. And so, so for a long time, it was not something that like, like I saw it, but I didn't do it myself. And, um, we spent five years in the suburbs in Fayette County. And when you're down there in Peachtree city area, you're, you're out and about on a golf cart. Like we had a golf cart as like our alternate transportation. And so that was a lot of serendipity, like Rebecca mentioned. Like you see your neighbor and you like stop and you're like, hey, what's up? And you kind of catch up. It's not as isolating as a car. And um, we just kind of knew my husband got sick of commuting and was ready for like an abrupt change. So we moved into town and we set up our lives so that, um, you know, we could kind of have the best of both worlds. We aim to be able to bicycle where we wanted to go and um, really have as much of a car free lifestyle as it's possible to with three kids. So um, we're we're not quite car free, but um, yeah. You know, it's it's kind of a goal of ours at some point, maybe when the kids can pedal themselves. So for those who aren't familiar, can you tell us at a high level, what is the Atlanta Bicycle Coalition? How did the organization get started and what do you all do? Well, we're a 29 year old organization founded as the Atlanta Bicycle Campaign in 1991. And um, when I came on board about 12 and a half years ago, we were going through a transition period in our founding executive director was retiring and there's a little bit of a lull in activities. So when I came in, I um, changed the name to coalition Atlanta bicycle coalition, because I knew we needed to work with other organizations really closely and that there were so many um, 
sub-communities within the broader biking community. So we were really aiming to bring everyone together to create a more bikeable Atlanta. Since then, our mission has really grown and expanded. And we just, um, with Allison on the board and the rest of the governing board, completed a new strategic plan that calls for us to become an organization that changes sustainable transportation in Atlanta. So really going beyond bikes. Bikes are still a very important part of that. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, you know, bikes support transit. Transit supports a walkable environment and safe streets for walking and biking support transit. Um, and all of these things just support a thriving city. And so that's what we see our role in um, changing the city of Atlanta as it's really mobilizing, training people in advocacy and bringing communities together to create safer streets for everyone. So you mentioned that you've been with the organization for quite a while and Allison, you're relatively newer to the organization, but how did you each get involved? Was it, you know, you showed up to a couple of meetings and then got voluntold to do something? How did you get engaged? Um, I was, um, as I mentioned, I was here at Georgia State and um, towards the end of my program, I did an internship with the Georgia Department of Transportation in the Bicycle and Pedestrian Office. And uh, it was a very small office. And in fact, most people at GDOT, as they call it, didn't even know they had that office. One of my assignments was to review all of the bicycle crash reports. So I was reading these police reports and turning that into the data that went into the safety action plan. So right around that time, I had started trying to bike into downtown. I lived in Southwest Atlanta. It was about three miles um, from the GDOT office. And so I think having that experience of putting myself out there on the bike um, and then learning about all of these safety issues and also seeing the way that a lot of crashes didn't get reported or were reported incorrectly, um, it really motivated me to want to change the environment. Um, And I had helped found a transit advocacy group um, during my time here at Georgia State. So when the job was posted, I thought about applying, but I thought, who am I? I'm a lowly intern. Um, I don't really know that much about bike planning. I'm not a planner, a transportation planner by training. Um, I have this policy background. I have a lot of passion for policy change. Um, but some of my coworkers uh, encouraged me to apply. And here I am. <laughs> I guess I, I got involved in the coalition really as a donor. Um, as Andy and I moved into town and we kind of looked at who was making a difference and, and who was making the city what we wanted to see in the city. Um, we really thought that the Bicycle Coalition was an organization that was doing good work. And so like, we really just kind of made that decision from afar and like didn't didn't really know Rebecca or anyone at that time. We just decided like this is what we want to do and this is where we want to put our money. And so... Um, you know, we really developed a relationship with Rebecca after that um, and became supporters. And after a year or so, Rebecca asked us to be one of us to be on the board and was kind of like you. And so I was like, I don't know. I don't I don't know anyone. I'm just a student. But, um, you know, I'm really happy that I decided to get involved. It's been a great learning experience, both personally and just really keeps keeps you to make, makes me keep up with what's happening in the city. So I personally was not familiar with the coalition um, until very recently when I moved to a bikeable neighborhood. And now I feel like I see things about the coalition a lot. But for folks who have maybe heard the name but aren't really familiar, what are some of the major things that y'all work on? What are some things you've accomplished for the city recently? Probably the thing we're best known for is Atlanta Streets Alive. 
So that's an Open Streets initiative that we started in 2000. This is our 10th anniversary of Open Streets in Atlanta. Um, Allison's helping us plan a 10th anniversary party um, in May. And so no one thought that we were going to be able to do this on Peachtree Street. But here we are 10 years later. And Peachtree Street is something we're regularly opening up for people. And um, our hope is that it really changes people's habits and that that in turn informs culture change because we want Atlanta to be known as a city where biking and walking, getting around by transit, even scooting are really common and respected modes of transportation and not the alternative. We want those things to be the norm. Um, so that's something that a lot of people know about and participate in, you know, we'll get a hundred thousand people out on, um, one of our larger routes. Um, but then some of our, I think, really foundational um, successes over the last couple of years have included creating a chief bicycle officer position in the city of Atlanta. So prior to that, there was no one person that was really dedicated to planning and implementing bike projects for the city. Um, so with the Blank Foundation's financial support, we were able to fund and create that position. And just this year, it's been fully absorbed into the city's budget. So that position exists. Um, and we've seen a really big change and shift in the level of attention that the city gives to bike planning um, and really multi multimodal transportation in general. Um, and then another of our platform um, goals. So in 2017, during the um, election season for the city of Atlanta, we were electing mayor and city council members. We created a platform of policies that we wanted to see adopted. And then we met with everyone that was running for office, which is a lot of people. Yes. Um, and try to convince them to take on the, an element of the platform as their own. So I'm not saying it was fully because of this, but Andre Dickens um, subsequently um, initiated uh, creating a Department of Transportation for the city of Atlanta. And it sounds a little wonkish, but when you tell people we didn't have a Department of Transportation and then you remind them about some of the ways that transportation does and doesn't work in the city today, it becomes pretty clear to people that change is needed. Yeah. And I'm really excited about the new commissioner that was named um, recently by Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms. Um, and I think that he really um, understands the issues, uh, cares about and is listening to community and has the potential to be a transformative leader for the city. I really think that Rebecca and the staff at the Bicycle Coalition are making great inroads on um, some newer goals as well, um, really launching a Safe Streets for All campaign, um, focusing on not just the neighborhoods where, you know, you got a lot of attention right now, um, really pushing into Southwest Atlanta where people rely on alternative transportation a lot more and making sure that those neighborhoods have safe streets as well, um, safe places not only to bike, but to walk um, as pedestrians, um, much higher incidences of pedestrian crashes in those sorts of areas um, that have been neglect had neglected infrastructure overall. Um, so that's been really important work, I think, and also pushing for lower speed limits on city streets. Um, you know, as a civil engineer, this is where I, I get sort of excited about things. Um, just seeing, you know, if we can see lower speed limits on the streets, even if not everyone follows them, we are really improving the safety um, as the average speed is lowered. And so I think that um, not only will cyclists, but also children and other pedestrians will be a lot more welcome on Atlanta streets if we can successfully lower the speed limit to 25 miles per hour across the city streets. One of the things that I find really interesting about your organization is that 
you're engaging with the city on so many different levels with individual citizens, individual politicians, all the way up to city, state agencies. What do you think enables the kind of flexibility that allows you to have all of those different conversations? Is that something that you've built as a culture within the coalition, or is that an individual skill set of different members? How do you kind of manage all these competing interests? That's a great question. How do we? (laughs) Um, I think we have a really great team. Um, So we have... Stephen Spring, who manages our education program and um, has came to us with a long experience in public schools. And so he was able to identify the barriers to implementing a program um, called Shifting Gears, where we go into the PE class and we teach kids about bike safety during the school day. Um, And we've been wanting to do something like this for a long time. But when Stephen came to us, he had all of this experience that really primed him to be able to make it happen really pretty quickly. Um, And so that's just one example. Um, Sagira Jones does our community engagement, has been involved in her community for decades. Um, It's really involved in her local YMCA and just came to us with this wealth of knowledge and all of these contacts. Um, Ade Santana, who's our deputy director, does a really great job of kind of corralling us and pointing us all in the same direction because a lot of us have really wide ranging interests. And when we are all focused on something, we can really accomplish a lot. Um, and Atlanta Streets Alive is a good example of that. So Heather like leads that program for us. And um, she's got this tremendous grace under pressure. Um, and so when Ade lines all of us up to be on her team and you know, we're executing this major event with five people, six people, um, plus 75 volunteers. Um, we do have a lot of really wonderful engaged volunteers. Um, I think there's just something too about our members where there are people who are really involved in their community. Um, a lot of them are the transportation chairs for their neighborhood, um, or on the transportation or zoning committees. And they're just people who are really paying attention. They bring us great ideas and a lot of energy. Um, for our work. And uh, it just seems like the right person will always pop up at the right time. It does um, seem that, way, that, that there's always just like some sort of grace behind it all that um, really opens doors and, and makes connections when you need them. But um, I really think um, Rebecca is able to work in so many situations and she really does a great job um, engaging the board and attracting board members that have a lot of um, interesting experiences and connections too. So that's another way that I think we have inroads, um, even with such a small staff, um, she's really able to attract board members from across the city and different constituencies that help to open doors to um, connections and really give her the opportunity to be an advocate in so many different forums. Yeah, we have a really amazing board, and I hope that everyone at um, Georgia State thinks in terms of board service long term. You know, over the course of your career, you have an opportunity to really contribute to a, a nonprofit that's doing something you care about. Um, and Allison's a great example of that. Other board members that they really guide the organization's decisions and strategy. Um, and then we have an advisory council as well. So there's just a lot of really great people involved. <laughs> Um, I feel like a lot of people recognize the need and also the opportunity. So when you can add up need, opportunity, and talent, then it really makes a difference. So we've spoken a lot about this kind of, this new push for multimodal transportation that the coalition is looking at in their new strategic plan. First, can you describe multimodal transportation for folks who may not be familiar with the concept? Sure. And I think a lot of um, students today 
and young professionals today are just doing this naturally. Um, You know, you drive to work, you leave your car somewhere, you lift to a concert, you take a scooter to a restaurant afterwards. Um, You take Marta home at the end of the night because, you know, you don't need your car for every trip. Or maybe you have decided not to have a car or don't have a car because you can't afford one. It's not in your budget right now. I've definitely been there. Um, It's just using the right mode of transportation for that trip. Uh, I think we've defaulted to the car for every trip to our detriment. When you build a city around cars, then you lose the people. Um, For sure. If you build a city around people, you can fit in cars. And so many times in Atlanta, it's actually quicker to walk or bike somewhere than it is to drive. Um, And that's something that's become so apparent to me that like I could literally leave the house in the car at the exact same time my husband left on a bike and we could have a race and I would lose in the car. Um, it's, it's just an ugly reality right now um, for the state of Atlanta traffic and all the people that are caught in it. So I think um, the coalition is really just working just to make people know that it's an option to not be in your car in Atlanta. I think um, a lot of people don't think that way. They don't realize how easy it is. And it's really just um, the more you see people doing it, the more other people realize it's possible. And I think that's what um, it's just become such a change. This seems to be something that a lot of alums that we talk to tend to find when they get out into whatever their respective careers are. Is it's so much of the work that we do in a policy environment is equally dependent on culture. Mm. And so there's an element of culture shaping policy and policy shaping culture. And it seems like your organization is trying really hard to kind of fight the, the fight the battle on both fronts to really advance the interests of bicycling through policy and through planning, but also through culture and through making sure that people know that they can bike. Do you find that that's something that you were trained to do through your time here? Is it something that comes naturally to you? How do you do both of those things at the same time? For me, it's something I saw in um, Columbia through my Fulbright um, because the um, series of mayors that really changed the city there really understood the role of culture and they did a lot of um, really fascinating things at the same time that they were changing policy. Um, So they knew it wasn't enough to ban cars from parking on sidewalks, which they had a major issue with that at the time. They had to really convince people that the sidewalks were for people in the democratic space. Um, So I think it was that kind of real life experience that Georgia State really emphasized and pushed me out of the classroom to get um, that really planted that seed with me that you can't only have policy or only have culture. You have to have them informing each other. Yeah, I think one of the things that I definitely learned is that you know, things like like bicycle infrastructure, really, um, there's a lot of planning and design and construction that go into them, but they also have a bigger cultural meaning. And so it's really assigning cultural meaning to infrastructure and the policy that brought that infrastructure about um, how much they're intertwined. Um, and really knowing that, that people put meaning in infrastructure. It's not just something that, that's built, that it, ha- it, it can be a symbol in certain places and times. And so the community around a new bike lane doesn't necessarily see it the way that the person who designed the new bike lines, bike, designed it or built it um, or planned it even sees it. So it's important to get the feedback of every constituency that's going to be impacted by something like a change that you make to the city. And so I really do think that that policy has to be informed by culture and culture, um, you know, informed policy because you, you can't force 
a bike lane. Like you can paint a bike lane and it's just a stripe on the road, but until the community believes in it and really um, wants it to be there and, and makes use of it, then it's just paint. So um, I think they do go hand in hand and really was able to dive into that so much here at the Andrew Young School. My undergraduate degree is in anthropology, so culture is something that I'm, I've always been paying or I've been paying attention to for a while. Um, and I think that's a great example about bike lanes and the meaning behind them, because you know bike lanes are not welcomed in every community, and in some communities they're associated with the rapid changes that are happening that people didn't necessarily want. Um, so I think that's again part of our shift towards sustainable transportation is wanting to have more tools in our toolkit. So. Our, the problem we're trying to solve for is safe, effective, convenient mobility and making sure that it's accessible to everyone. Um, and if a community thinks that a bus shelter is more essential to that, then we want to be able to support that desire from the community because it really does bubble up from people's daily lives. So when we talk about moving towards a more multimodal transportation mix for the city, more biking, more walking, more transit, all of that, where do you look for inspiration? What are the cities or municipalities that really stand out as maybe being a few years ahead of us that we can kind of watch and learn from? I always like to look to Washington, D.C. because their transit system was built around the same time as ours. I think the same architect designed some of their um, stations, and yet their system is so much more comprehensive. Um, They have much more um, rapid bus networks, their metro is just has really extensive coverage, and it's a cultural norm to ride metro there. Right, and the bike boulevards—they're they're very well um, separated from the traffic. So they're like I don't know if you've been, but in the center of the roads, there's like huge bike boulevards. It, it feels like elevated, like there's a priority given to alternative transportation. And I think, I think it's interesting, you know, culture and policy there. I mean. I think people figured out that their traffic gets so jam-packed because you never know when like a motorcane's going to come through <laughs> that people started um, bicycling just as a way to like be able to move reliably mm-hmm. because you couldn't. And so I think if Atlantans can see that um, a bicycle is a reliable way to get somewhere on a schedule, whereas a car isn't necessarily, or, you know, if we can get the bus to be something that people do here, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. And even the sidewalks there, I remember seeing that they had rubberized section of sidewalk where the trees were starting to push up the sidewalk squares. Yeah. Um, so there, I mean, there are technical solutions to these problems. We don't have a technical problem. We have a political and a cultural problem. Yeah, I guess, I mean, San Francisco recently closed Market Street to traffic, which I think is a great, um, you know, leader in that. And It'd be really neat to see something like that happen eventually here in Atlanta or even more of a shared street design if you can't completely close it. Um, it would be awesome if we could really elevate the pedestrian in our culture here and uh, give them the same respect as a car gets, a person in a car gets. What is your favorite part of riding a bike in Atlanta? Where is your favorite neighborhood to ride through? What is? Where do you feel like you're getting the peak bicycling Atlanta experience. Where would you recommend somebody who maybe hasn't ridden a bike on the streets of Atlanta go? I'm trying to think of an answer that's not the Beltline. <laughs> I really like riding um, like on Edgefoot, kind of. Like I know that the bike lane's always blocked and there's always something, but um, there's something I enjoy about like 
being in like Edgewood and Auburn Avenue area, like in, in um, Sweet Auburn, is always kind of fun because there's something going on, and um, you know you're connecting into downtown, riding down the hill, and that's always kind of fun. Um, I think my favorite bike lane is the Planter, the Planter Protected Bike Lane on Georgia State's campus, yeah, on Park Place. So we really advocated for those planters. And I remember the first time I rode through there, I just felt so respected. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I also love the Beltline and and just being able to get to so many places now that businesses are really um, turning towards the Beltline. Um, I was just trying to think of a place that is a little bit more off the beaten path. I think the thing that's so neat about the Beltline is that it's a direct route through that, like at least over the east side right now, it's like a direct north-south route that you don't have on a car. Like Mm -hmm. I, if I try to drive from my house to the Bicycle Coalition's office, I'm like zigzagging Mm -hmm. everywhere, but I can literally ride straight there on the Beltline. So it's kind of neat. Just a bicycle highway. Yeah. You can see how many more places it connects. And like when it extends all the way up north, up into the yards that are up there, um, you know, that's going to connect two parts of town that like you really can't get to when it connects up to Piedmont Hospital and stuff from Monroe Drive area. Like those two places are right next to each other. And as an Atlantan for many years, I never really thought about them as being... Mm right next to each other. It's just your sense of where things right. are. Right. So you really realize that like if you can connect Brookwood Hills to like that Monroe area, then you have a whole new way to get up there. Whereas right now it's somewhere that I would not really go or that I don't go very often because I can't get there on a bike easily. And the South Side Trail I'm really excited about because it it really does just collapse the distance between things. Yeah. When you mentioned the 10th anniversary of Streets Alive, so if our listeners want to come out for that, can you tell them where they need to be and when? Um, they should visit our website, AtlantaStreetsAlive.com. Um, it's probably going to be May 17th. Um, it's definitely going to be on South Broad Street in South Downtown. And they'll have a block party feel to it. And if folks want to get involved with the coalition, what's the best way to reach y'all and get started? Um, really any place you can find Atlanta bike on social media on our website, um, or in real life, there's a lot of public meetings coming up about safe streets infrastructure. Um, and we blog about those on our website, atlantabike.org. Well, thank you, Rebecca and Allison for sitting with us today. This has been great. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. For more information about the Atlanta bicycle coalition, visit atlantabike.org or follow them on social media at Atlanta Bike. The Andrew Young School podcast is produced by Taylor Olmsted with production assistance from Jennifer Giratano. This episode was edited by Carlisa Johnson. Our executive producer is Avani Raval. We are a production of Georgia State University's Andrew Young School of Policy Studies located in downtown Atlanta, Georgia. To learn more about the Andrew Young School, visit us online at ayspsgsuedu or follow us on social media at ayspsgsu.